dropped off a pretty little girl Same grade as me Tried to kiss her once in the aisle of the bus She walked right over me Face down in the gum on Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower Presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group And now, here are your hosts Matt Crane and Derek Biglane Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Derek. But not Good Friday morning. This is a good Thursday morning. We're recording this on Thursday morning because uh, we have a lot going on today, a lot going on this evening, and uh, just a lot going on uh, in this weekend leading up to the tax that we will talk with Jared Barkley, the parks director, about here in just a few moments. Yeah, Derek, he sat down with you about 30, 35 minutes, uh, visited about his time as a parks director, uh, the sales tax referendum coming up on Tuesday, coins for kids, I think is what somebody's... Coin for kids, coin for, for kids, parks, um, some other choice words uh, <laughs> that it's been called on Hernando Happenings, but uh, you know, maybe some we can't read on the air or say on the air. And Derek had the opportunity early this morning to sit down with Jared, so we figured, hey, let's go ahead and knock out his recording, our recording, and get that done on a Thursday. Thursday morning because as you mentioned got a lot of stuff going on whether it be high school football I've got soccer tonight and uh, just really really busy around the mobile cars and banner studios so a lot going on so uh, thank you Jared for sitting down with Derek uh, earlier this morning we really appreciate it that interview will be coming up pretty soon and uh, Derek part of a growing community and an improvement in a community is parks but also good quality housing developments and if, if you're looking for help with DeSoto County residential housing looking for somebody to help you walk through the different changes that have come out over the last honestly Derek, the last 24 hours with rate increases another three quarter percent rate increases mortgage changes those type things brian and terry with team couch of birch realty group are the best realtors in desoto county to work with and that's why team couch of birch realty group is our 2022 presenting sponsor possessing over 66 years of combined real estate experience brian and terry have thousands of closings since 2009 on the buying and selling side of residential real estate they are full-time full-service realtors which means they are available anytime you need them. They're also ranked nationally as a top performing real estate team. They were also recently voted DeSoto's best for the fifth time. No matter what you hear on the national media or different things like that, it is still a good time to list your home in DeSoto County. And if you're considering doing that, you're probably going to interview one, two, three different realtors. Let Brian or Terry be one of those realtors. Give them a call today at 662-449-1700. Call Brian directly on his cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. You can also do a full home search at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. As the market continues to turn, market changes up, the different waves going up and down when it comes to the housing market in DeSoto County, you you don't want to work with somebody that has a few closings under their belt, somebody that just got into the market. You want to work with realtors that have thousands of closings on their resume. And Brian and Terry definitely have that. Give them a call again, 662-449-1700. And as I say every show, every home needs a couch. Good to be coming to you this Thursday morning from the Mobile Cars and Van Rental Studios. Mobile Cars and Vans located the corner of McCracken and Commerce right here in Hernando. While Jared and Derek were doing their interview, had the opportunity to rent three vans to the Northwest Mississippi Community College girls soccer team. That's an example of random call on Monday looking for vans. We had them. They took them up on us. Good luck to the, uh, I guess you call them Lady Rangers. Uh, on their, yeah, Lady Rangers. The Lady Rangers for the uh, soccer tournament this coming weekend. And uh, if they do well there, they're going to need us in a couple of weeks. But that's an example of some of the different things that come across our desk. Cars, trucks, vans, if you are traveling for Thanksgiving, traveling for Christmas, please reach out to us. We're booking up fast. We only have a certain number of vehicles at this particular time to put families in. So really, we'd love to serve you and your family or you and your church. We have started to get calls for MLK weekend from different churches taking trips and also starting to fill up for spring break. If you or your family are traveling over the next five, six months, please call Mobile Cars and Vans, 662-469-4555. Again, that's 662-469-4555. Thank you, Mobile Cars and Vans. Well, Derek, as we started our show the last two weeks and uh, coming up on the November 8th sales tax referendum vote, uh, Derek and I'll call it Yes for Kids. Okay, that's going to be our motto for the next week. Yes, yes for, for Kids, kids. which uh, again is, is way more PG than some people might be saying. <laughs> I mean, I think some of the other slogans may be screw those kids. <laughs> <laughs> or heck, the Michael Jordan man. Yeah, heck with those kids or whatever, you know, that type stuff. So, oh, well, we, we, we joke around and kid, of course. We want to start our Friday show this way. Let's go right to the interview with our new parks director. And I say new because he's been here for less than a year, Jared Barkley. We go to his interview with Derek now. 
We would like to welcome Jared Barkley in to the show this morning. He is the Parks Director for the City of Hernando. He has been on the job now about 11 months, is that right? That's right, yep. Uh, 11 months and uh, just been done a wonderful, wonderful job. I know he's been hitting a lot of the events, going around, meeting a lot of people around town over his last 11 months. Uh, you did officially move here uh, over the last 11 months. Yep, in March. Uh, so he is a, a beneficial and official resident of the City of Hernando. But uh, we just want to welcome you in uh, this morning, Jared. Really glad to have you. Well, thanks for having me, Derek. Happy to be here. Happy to be in Hernando and uh, a lot of exciting things happening, not only in our department, but in the city as well. So, Of course, we wanted to have him on this morning. This will come out on the Friday before a huge vote uh, in Hernando history. I mean, I, th- I don't think it's too big, too big or too small to say that. So a big vote on Tuesday uh, for the Penny for the Parks. And so who better to have on the show than the Parks Director for the city of Hernando? But before we get into the vote and kind of just uh, you know what it means and, and kind of look at some of the numbers you know, to give the people who may still be on the fence or those who you know feel on either side of it, uh, just you know, the best information or the latest information going into the vote. Kind of tell us how the season has gone so far. The sports season, I guess, starting fall season really starts off. I think they can start officially practicing around uh, August 1st. Kind of tell us how the fall has been going basically in all the sports. Yeah, so our first fall sport that kicked off, uh, like you said, around August with practices was soccer. We had a great fall season uh, wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a uh, participation of 441, wow. which was uh, up from last fall. And our Little Kickers program, which uh, my own kid participated in in the spring, he actually played park soccer this fall. Um, but our Little Kickers soccer was up to uh, 34, which was more than 10 from last year. We even had to add another session. So that's well, under the age of six or five? It is three, three-year-olds. Yep. Wow, just yeah. three-year-olds. And so 34 a, three-year-olds, that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's right. So that's uh, Coach Rose from Hernando yeah. uh, Soccer who leads that and does a great job with it. So uh, Michael Carson did a great job with soccer this fall. Moved into spring baseball, softball, t-ball. So that is Brittany Bowen. Since I've been on last, Brittany was a hire in March. Mm -hmm. So I haven't introduced her on the podcast yet, but several people out in the community know her. She's done a great job uh, getting going here uh, at Hernando. Numbers for fall baseball were 288. Softball was 129. And T-ball was 142 <laughs> T-ball kids. That is what, two years? Is that four, five, three, four? Three, four. Three, four. That's right. So, again, so you had 34 three-year-olds playing soccer and another – 140 some odd uh, three and four yards playing t-ball that's absolutely amazing it's it's wild out there it's it's a lot of growth you know and and hopefully those kids just move up through the ranks uh, i think i think it's a testament to just the growth and participation we've got here in hernando in moving into winter we just had our fall uh, excuse me our winter basketball uh, observation clinic and we're using the field house gatorade field house on green tea and numbers are way up in that we're at 513 registered for our uh, youth basketball what was the number last year last year was 396 wow we're up 117 participants from last season we've got 56 teams this year Last year we had 39 teams. Wow. I mean, that's a testament to you know not only the great job that you've done at the city, uh, but also the facility. I mean, the, the city took a step out, uh, did actually have to pay a, a decent-sized fee to the field house to be able to rent the facility, had to increase fees for basketball slightly this year in order to cover that, but uh, it seems like that did not deter people from signing up. Yeah, that, absolutely. So uh, big thanks to Greg Drumright and Marcello Hunt with Gatorade Fieldhouse and the courtroom basketball there for uh, working with us on it. And like you said, the opportunity was there. The uh, alderman, mayor, wanted to uh, step out and, and do it. Thankful that they were willing to work with us on that as well. So Michael Carson's our lead administrator for youth basketball this season. He's done a great job so far. We're Going to get ready with practices here in a couple weeks. Fall was a, a wonderful season, uh, starting off a wonderful winter season. And of course, you'll roll in starting in February, uh, taking the I guess it's February, taking the applications for baseball, softball in the spring. Correct. That'll be probably January. Oh, late January. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, in January. So again, that's only just a couple months away, which is absolutely crazy to think about. But yeah, so it's you know everything's going well in the parks. Numbers are up uh, year over year, uh, which is a fantastic thing. And I think a lot of that uh, has to do with the uh, you know, two things. Number one is the number of young families moving to Hernando. Uh, I do think that we see uh, you know the average age. I know three or four years ago it was true. The average age of a, a Hernandonian uh, was thirty seven. Uh, with I think it was like literally 1.8 kids, so two kids, and that is a that's I think it's actually probably 
you know, uh, maybe a little younger. I mean, I'm aging up, so I'm not helping that. But I think there's a lot of young people coming in. And the fact that you have, you know, 170, 180 three- and four-year-olds playing uh, little kickers and, and t-ball show that. And I think that the you know, big push now is to try to keep them playing in Hernando for their, you know, quote-unquote careers, their athletic uh, endeavors throughout their, you know, their school age years. And so the second part of that is the fact that I think another reason that the, the basketball numbers are up are because of the facilities. And so what we want to talk about today is the Penny for the Parks, which can help with the facilities uh, in Hernando. Now, of course, the, the Gatorade Fieldhouse is a private facility. These will be public facilities. But this is something that has been sorely needed. It has been sorely asked for, sorely requested uh, by, I would say, at least uh, two generations uh, of people. I know that uh, my generation would have loved to uh, have it for our children 10 or 15 years ago. The current generation moving here who has three-year-olds now playing, five-year-olds now playing, would love to see uh, their children. And, of course, you know, there's a generation below them another 10 years if, if we were not to do this the next generation also would be out not having the facility. So what have you been doing over the last two to four to six weeks to try to get ready to really do the push for this penny for the parks? Sure. Well, I wanted to talk too about what you just hit on, kind of how we got here. In December of 2020, Neil Schaefer, DD Consulting, uh, LLC Recreation Planning, and uh, the Trent Lott National Center at Southern Miss, they, they did a a study which you may be familiar with and talked about uh, a feasibility study for the Hernando community and this was a grant funded mm-hmm. study so their suggestion uh, for a potential new facility in Hernando uh, they recommended for their phase one should focus on immediate needs of current outdoor sport venues uh, this phase needs to improve the tier rating baseball fields create softball only facilities develop uh, additional tennis courts increase the size of soccer facilities. All, all that to say is these wheels have been moving for a while. Mm-hmm. And and this isn't just a study that we did grant funded and just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Right. We're, we're putting in this into action. And, and to your point, too, about demographics, I got with Austin Cardosi, our planning director, and just talking about growth rate, how do we prepare for these things? Because that's our charge as city officials is, mm-hmm. you know, take into account what Hernando is today. What will it be in the future? How do we plan for that? What does it look like demographic wise? So 2020 population estimate was 16,967. 2021 population estimate was 17,345. Uh, so that was a 2.2% increase from 2020 to 2021. The national average that year was 1%. So to your point, we're, we're growing fast. And what's interesting, Austin ha- had this to add too. Hernando residents under 19 years old, it's 28%. The national average is 24%. Wow. Hernando residents over 65 years old is 18%. The national average is 16%. So we're above the national average in both of those demographics, uh, which, which makes it in- interesting, Austin says, considering housing, transportation, but also park planning, park facilities, park amenities, park programming. So taking all that into account, um, as we've planned and, and, you know, what Henry talked about a couple weeks ago, um, if y'all haven't listened to that, I certainly encourage you to do so. You know, as we plan for Hernando residents, we have a unique charge in planning for different demographics. So like what Henry said, it's not just baseball. Right. Uh, there's a lot of multi-generational aspects that we're trying to touch, not only for today and two years from now, five years from now, but what might this look like 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. Like Henry said, this is a plan to last 50 years. Right. You know, if that 20% increase, so in 2010, population here was 14,090. We've had a 20% increase in 10 years. 20 more percent in 10 years puts us just over 20,000. That's approximately the size of Vicksburg. You know, what does it look like for us down the road? How do we plan for that today? That's what all of this process has been doing for about a year now. Yes, yeah, so that, that's been you know, a lot of uh, you know, numbers, a lot of planning, a lot of looking. And so uh, the you know, city decided through, you know, this with the people, aldermen, uh, an older woman ran on the, hey, look, we're going to work for better parks so that that was their part of their platform was better parks maybe all but one of them actually brought that up first uh maybe in the, in the first two what talked about okay well you know we have to get better parks starting in january they petitioned the state uh to allow another vote now the city of hernando did vote on this back in i think it was 2015 i'm 
I, I lived through it, was part of it, uh, uh, and that was what seven, eight years ago now. Uh, and it was it failed, uh, and it failed because of a lack of of a plan, a lack of a budget, uh, a lack of actually showing the people where the numbers. You know, we're going the constituents where the where the money would be go, what it would look like, uh, how it would be spent, and that sort of thing. And so, when the you know state allowed us to be able to do this, now we we asked for two pennies, got one, and, and we're not going to rehash that now. But we do have the ability to do this to be able to uh, you know put a, a tax, you know, you could say a tax on ourselves, but help fund this uh, over the you know over a twenty year uh, a bond type thing. What um, you know. Taking that information, what have y'all done to prepare for that? What has been done to try to negate some of the issues from last time? Well, I think the grassroots campaign here has has been really encouraging. The the local business owners, local residents, y'all have seen the Coins for Kids signs, uh, not only in yards, but uh, mailers, social media marketing. So seeing the initiative from the community really take the lead on that and promote what this is uh, for, you know, the improvements that Hernando can um, benefit from, not just Hernando today, but future Hernando. It's been really encouraging for me to see that, that type of momentum, positive talk, but there's also a lot of responsibility to it. And and that's great. You know, we, we've talked about it as a staff. As you see these signs around, people are putting your trust, their trust in, in our department and also our city leaders, and want to step up to the plate. So talk about the, uh, you know, we've seen it, but what kind of went into the, the behind the scenes of the planning for the design, uh, for the numbers to be able to get out to the people this time so they didn't have the issue of, well, we don't know what it's going to look like. They, we can't just give them a blank check. We know what it looks like. I mean, again, we had Henry on here who did a great job explaining it. it you, know, you can go by the city hall right now and see the plan, but kind of what went on behind the scenes in order to get to, okay, this is the kind of the, the route that we want to go and kind of where the numbers came from to you know approximate where that uh, what what the cost would be. Kind of have to go facility by facility, uh, talking about how we got to that. And so baseball and softball fields, we're, we're looking at our our what we use today. You know, um, we're cramped for space. We're cramped for practice space. We we need the ability to switch between age groups more freely. Um, so a T-ball field or a field that can be used for T-ball can also be used for U8, maybe even used for U10 baseball, softball. So we try to narrow down what number works for us, not just today, but also for future growth. So came up with four of those softball fields, four baseball fields at the phase one. Uh, those fields can be used uh, flexible. Uh, so T-ball to 10-year-old we kind of landed on that number to help get the younger kids in first. Mm-hmm. So we don't necessarily want T-ball kids starting at 6:30 at night, but right now that's what we have to, we have one T-ball field. Uh, we're using all, all of our other fields for different age groups. So in an effort to streamline that scheduling and scheduling, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to work the way you want it to, but that, that was the number we, we landed on. So get your younger kids in, in the age groups out in first, out first, bring in your older kids, flip the field, make it work for you a little bit better. Those are the numbers we came up with on that. For our um, basketball courts, uh, right now we have one full-size court. It's at Addie Baldwin, all 51. So bringing in three more full-size courts at at that location would really fit the need of the community uh, for that space, but it also will help us grow. Yeah, like like we mentioned earlier, Hernando's a growing city. You know, it grew twenty percent in the last ten years. These four full size basketball courts will now exceed the national average. So we we have a little bit of space here related to our population. Same with tennis and pickleball courts. Y'all touched on it a couple of weeks ago talking with Henry about the growth of pickleball. Twenty twenty one, it grew to uh, 4.8 million players in the nation. And, and this is talking about multi-generational sports again. This is uh, a vast, or, or excuse me, a quickly growing multi-generational sport. The average age of the core player that you'll see is 47. Casual players average around 34. But from 2020 to 2021, the growth of total participants was the fastest among players under 24 years of age. Wow. So that's 21% of growth. Disc golf, we settled on a, a nine-hole course. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of that was because of the space that we have available. Like Henry mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it was important to work with the land features, You know, work with what the land gives you, and that's just what fit in that space. So nine holes isn't like 
cutting it short or anything. There are plenty of nine hole courses around. If you talk to some disc golf aficionados, aficionados, yeah, uh, th- some people prefer a nine hole course. It's just less time. Right. You can still get your techniques in if if that's something you're going for. But also nine holes is uh, it's easy for a family to get out there with. You know, I'm probably not going to take my soon to be four year old out to an eight hole disc golf course, but I could stomach a nine hole disc golf course. It's it's a multi generational aspect. And some of the information I found on disc golf surprised me. Um, in, in 2020, the Professional Disc Golf Association signed up 26,000 new members. Hmm. So those are just people who are actually putting money to be an official member. There's right. a lot of people who aren't doing that. Well, I, it's kind of like playing I, golf. I mean, you don't have to exactly. mail in your handicap check or try to get you know registered, but you can play every day. Absolutely. And it had a 27% jump in those aged 50 and over. Mm-hmm. And so that's from the AARP 2021 had the most significant growth rates occurred in the youngest. So those below 25 and the oldest above 75. Wow. So those two demographics for disc golf grew the fastest in 2021. So, so that's in line with kind of what we, what we just talked about in the demographics. Hernando's an abnormally large, young and aging population. So that fits into that mold there uh, of what we're trying to provide for are residents across the age spectrum. Uh, soccer lighting improvements, something that's been needed for a while. We're kind of cramped for space in practices if you've been out there as a coach or as a parent. Um, practice space isn't easy to come by. Uh, game space, we're doing well with what we have, but it would really be nice, especially for those uh, weeknight games, to be able to put a couple more fields out there. Mm-hmm. So currently we are renting uh, portable lights, like the ones that you see MDOT use on the highway. So they're diesel powered they're not very attractive they're pretty noisy and um, they're adequate right now right for us but they're not a long-term fix so adding lighting to the magnolia lighting field and the craft beer station field so the ones on the left as you drive in will nearly double our lighted fields for our u10s to u8s and we could probably even put some u6 fields out there and and that's the bulk of our participants Mm -hmm. in, in our soccer league so drastically it would help um, with scheduling, practicing, just ease of ease of administering our, our sport or a growing sport. Right. The numbers for the cost of that you know, come from uh, what Henry's group kind of put together and mm-hmm. talked about how much it costs per field. And so, you know, it, it ranges depending on what a penny could give the city of Fernando. You know, anywhere, I, numbers I've heard from $8 million to $12 million, you know, based on exactly what kind of a note at a, you know, at a rate that you can guess at. You know, rates are going up, so maybe a 3% municipal rate, 3.5% municipal rate. Could get you over 20 years. You're probably talking somewhere, the mayor estimates somewhere between 8 and $12 million based on what exactly that penny brings in. But another thing, another portion of this, though, uh, is there is potential for revenue generation uh, off of these fields. We've said this many times on this show. This is nothing, this is not trying to keep up with the Snowden Grove complex or anything like that, but you know, talk to us, you know, you uh, you mentioned pickleball, but of course part of the pickleball are new tennis courts coming in. That's right. Um, and, you know, I think it's specifically six tennis courts. So talk to us about the, in, in the different sports, uh, what could be done in soccer, what could potentially be done maybe for like a rec uh, all-star uh, coming in, uh, hosting, uh, and for tennis for revenue generators for the city if we had, you know, this complex done. So talking about how we landed on numbers of things. Uh, the tennis specifically, we got with some folks in the area who have success doing tennis tournaments, mostly in the state. Said, you know, what do we need to be able to do this? And the the number that was getting passed on to us uh, based on their past success is six. Really need pods of three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're really not going to do a tournament with just three courts. So six courts is a, is a really good starting place for that. So it... it leads to some opportunity for you know probably some junior tournaments maybe some adult tournaments down the road Um, these are going to be high quality courts Uh, they're going to be post-tension concrete so good smooth surface uh, playability for for years to come so so that's how we landed on six for that Mm -hmm. similar to pickleball where there's going to be eight pickleball courts right keeping in mind needs for our residents but also potential for events in the future same thing with baseball fields the opportunity to be flexible through our age groups on one field opens you up to hosting uh, different types of events we've had interest this past spring on softball tournaments Mm -hmm. uh, fasa tournaments so we were able to host a couple of those and 
you know, they, they liked what they saw. They saw the potential there and just think how much more so that potential is there with new facilities. So uh, soccer, and, and y'all hit on this a couple of weeks ago, lights really opens you up for a, a Friday night event going, leading into the weekend. Um, you know, getting your local teams in first on a Friday night and then expanding play on a Saturday. So there, there, there's great potential there. And, and even down to the improvements on Milton Kirkendall Field, irrigation improvements, drainage improvements, capping that field opens it up for more, more play. That, that field already gets used five or six days of the week from August to November. So Haifa uses it on weeknights. And then we also have local uh, youth football clubs that come in on Saturdays and, and use the complex as well. So uh, an improved field will only I- increase that. People understand that you know you can have you know these tournaments and you know like uh, I know baseball did the uh, All Star tournament for the rec league this past summer. You know, you'd mentioned that that's a possibility. We've done softball in the past. Uh, we could easily do tennis with. We have a wonderful tennis community here. And then on soccer, you know you can have the three v three tournaments, maybe five v five, up to you know full scale tournaments depending on how many lights we can get. You know over how many years we can finish out the field. So uh, I think this is all the start of that. Um, and so it's not just okay. Well, you know. We're we're going to be paying you know another dime on a ten dollar meal uh, just to you know allow us to play there. No, this could be revenue generator bringing those teams in who then have to look for hotel rooms. You know, so now you're seeing more hotels being put at Hernando who have to go you know eat at the restaurants who have to you know will shop at the wonderful shops on the square around the square. And so I think it's just a uh, you know this is a a start. Uh, it is a, a way to bring people to the city, not only keep our current residents playing here, but also to bring people to see how wonderful Hernando is. Now we've got what, uh, just a uh, you know right now I think. Uh, when this comes out, uh, it'll be three days to election day. I mean, uh, well, actually four. Uh, what are the kind of the final things that y'all are doing uh, over the over the weekend or over the last week to get you ready for this? Uh, this last push toward trying to get people to get out and vote for this uh, this penny for the park. You know, increased marketing is going on right now. That private group is doing a great job with that. Just encouraging people to get to the polls, seeing the yard signs out there, uh, podcasts such as this. You know, in, you know, increasing the exposure to the vote, encouraging people to get out to the vote. I know our local officials, our aldermen, Mayor Johnson, really encouraging folks to get out. So just spreading the word. Uh, Word of mouth right now is really important. Uh, Encouraging your neighbor, your friends, family members to get out there and go, go vote. So that's really the most important thing we can do right now. Get out and vote. This is not a, a, uh, especially, I guess, large election for us here in Hernando. We basically have our house representative, uh, we have this vote, of course, which is uh, very important. And then there may be, a, a, you know, kind of pockets on where you live. There may be a, a school board member you have to vote on. Um, there is one kind of toward the east, the east side of the county, another one north of us in the county. So uh, just maybe two or three things you're voting on. But this is very important to get out uh, to be able to do this. Uh, one final thing I want to touch on before we go, and I, and I am going to leave you uh, a couple minutes at the end just to kind of uh, anything else you wanted to say that I might not have asked you. Again, we, we touched on that last time there was no plan. People complained about having a plan there's a plan. We didn't see what the numbers looked like or where the numbers were doing or where the money would go. Uh, We know that now. We know it has to be specifically designated toward this, and it can only be toward the physical aspects of building it. It can't be for salaries. It can't be for hiring new people. It can't be for anything like that. Only the physical aspects of building uh, the parks. Uh, I guess one of the other things uh, that people will say is, you know, basically, we can't trust local government. Uh, they, they say, you know, how do we know they're going to spend this? Or, or, you know, what happens if they don't spend it correctly? And you mentioned it before that uh, you talked about a huge responsibility that, that your department feels like it now has. Talk to us about, you know, what do you, you know, what will you do? What will you kind of, uh, or how will you run the department to make sure, hey, look, every penny we have, you know, of course, the, the, the mayor and the board will also be overseeing this, but every penny that we get will be put into this park system and how important that is for, you know, you and your department to do that. Well, neither myself or our elected officials take spending public money lightly. It's a great responsibility that we have. It's a, I wouldn't call it a burden, but it's a, it's a huge responsibility. You're entrusted with the tax money from your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, how do we be good stewards of that? There are checks and balances in place. You hit on them. You know, the, the aldermen have to improve, uh, approve these expenditures. Um, our city clerk, Pam, and her staff are diligent about tracking funds, recording that. That goes to the state. Ultimately, uh, I, I would guess that goes under the purview of the auditors, Department of 
revenue. I mean, there's a whole system in place. It's not Hernando on an island, you know, dealing with money itself. Right. It's it's a the state of Mississippi. They don't take it lightly either, nor should they. So there are checks and balances throughout the whole system. What we'll do, what I do is, you know, we, we take bids. So we open it up publicly to people who are interested in building these things. We get the best bang for our buck, you know, the lowest best bid. It starts from the get-go mm-hmm. on how, how do we responsibly track this this money in the spending and get the improvements that the citizens of Hernando deserve. Now, I think that's you know very important. So people, I mean, please understand, uh, you know, they don't just, you know, the penny, they get pennies, they get, you know, whatever percentage of that goes into the coffers and then sits there and they're just writing checks left and right. I mean, there is a, a specific process, a specific bid process. As you said, it has to be approved by the alderman. You know, then, you know, you get the money, you spend it. It has to be checked. Then it goes to the state. The state auditor looks at it. Um, I mean, we, and we know that uh, Shad White, who is the state auditor, has really been hammering cities right now. Um, and I think uh, just you know, one county over uh, got some people in Marshall County uh, for embezzlement. Uh, and so this is something that they do not. And that was only for like, uh, I mean, I won't say only, but it was thirty or $40,000. I mean, it was not a you know, significantly large amount of money. Uh, and so they're really watching that on the state level. So in no way... You know, would this be you know misappropriated? And if it you know even if it started to work that way, it would be caught pretty quickly. Uh, and then again, of course, as residents, if we don't like what we see, we can vote you know the board out, we can vote the mayor out, and of course you know those people that they appoint. So I, I, I think that is a uh, people you know they always say, well, you can't trust government. That's not true. You know, not being able to trust a government is not true. I'm not saying that there have governments that have always done what they're supposed to do, but you know we've never had this in Hernando before. This would be the first board that has the ability to do this, and all I can say is you know you've got to have some type of faith to allow them to do it, and if they do it correctly, I hope that the ones that are complaining and or are saying that it can't be done would be the first to come out and pat them on the back. I, I doubt that would happen, um, but you know that's that's the thing. Thing. So I know that Matt and I uh, here on the podcast, uh, you know, we're we're putting our faith and trust in you. Uh, really looking forward to this. Really pushing that we get you know sixty percent of the vote or more uh, on Tuesday, and uh, we just thank you for all you do. So want to kind of leave it that. What is you know anything last uh, points or or you know things that you want to say uh, before we leave today? I would just thank everyone for the uh, uh, like we mentioned before the the positive grassroots effort. Uh, again, the confidence that the public out there that you see is is really putting the faith in the department. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to our staff and, and to our the, the rest of the staff of the city. Even if you're in a different department, you see that you've got backing for your residents. That means a lot because it's not always the case. Right. And um, again, I would just encourage everyone to get out to the polls. Don't take anything for granted. You know, um, if, don't take positive momentum for granted because it, it doesn't mean anything if there are no votes to back it up. You know, we're trying to do our best to facilitate facilitate these needs, these recreational needs, uh, not only today, but for the future. And this is a big part of that, a huge part of that. And uh, something I did forget, and I want to say it quickly before we leave. Now, you, you've been, you came from Oxford. Uh, Oxford right. does have this in place. Uh, they do have a, a, you know, penny for the park, a, a you know, certain tax that they pay that goes to the park systems. Just talk, you know, real briefly about how that impacted what you were able to do uh, in your former job before you came up here. So yes, there is, uh, there, there is a, a, I believe it's a two percent tax on prepared food in Oxford, and it, it may even be bundled with lodging as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you go, you look at these. You can go on the Department of Revenue's website, and you can do a filter for recreation parks. You'll see, it, I think it pulls up like eight pages of these towns, mm-hmm. as small as Sardis, as large as Oxford, even larger towns. Uh, oh, South Haven. Like South Haven. Yeah. yeah, South Haven. Exactly. They're built pretty much the same. 2% money. It, it, it takes time. I think Oxford was passed in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, New Albany had one that was passed in the 80s. Tupelo had one that was passed in the 80s. So it's kind of like the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. Right. The second best time is to do it today. Right. So these things take time to, to build. Um, you look at M-Trade Park, what was called FNC Park. Uh, that has been there for, uh, it was built in 08. So, you know, over 10 years now. That took time to build um, for it to become what it has become. And prior to that, they were playing in fields not too 
different from what we're playing on now right. at the old airport fields and the the Hank Aaron triplex over there behind what the tennis courts there now sit on. So it, it takes planning. It takes time. It, we're in the middle of that process right now. Hopefully, you know, we'll see the fruits of that. It, it also takes backing of the residents too. You know, Oxford's in a unique position where they have a university there. Obviously there's not a university in Hernando. So it's not quite apples to apples, but in a way, you know, you, you see the, the, the fruits of the legislation and the, the referendum that they were able to pass. Yeah, I think that, you know, again, we, we're not saying that this is going to be in Trade Park, I mean, at all. But what we're saying is, is that, that they started that in 08. They passed it back in the 80s and 90s, slowly started to grow it. In 08, they said, okay, we're going to use this money that we have coming in every year. We're going to do a bond. We're going to get this done. And, that, you know, and so in 08, my, my, my son uh, was able to play that when he was 14 years old. 13, 14, we started to have a major tournament. Actually, I, I take that back, 12 to 14. We had major tournaments down there, soccer tournaments. And so, you know, and that would have been 2016. So six or eight years after that was started, and then, you know, then it was finished probably by 2010-ish, you know, then he was playing on it four or five, six years later. And at full capacity, you know, wonderful baseball fields in the back, the, the soccer fields up front. That's the point we're trying to make today. If we do this starting today, so let's say 10 years from now in, in 2032, there will be kids who are 12 years old coming from other parts of the state to play on our fields. And that, but again, it has to start somewhere. You know, the seed has to be planted, as you said, that the second best time is to start now if we didn't start it 10, 20, 30 years ago. And that's all we're asking is for people to get out on Tuesday to make the vote, to vote yes, to be able to, you know, start, plant that tree, to start that process, and then and see the results, you know, three, five, ten years from now. So, Jerry, really do appreciate you coming in today. Uh, thank you for taking your time this morning uh, to sit down and talk with me. Uh, and really looking forward to, you know, again, we're keeping our fingers crossed, getting this passed, and seeing just the great work that you're able to do with this. Yeah, thank you, Derek. Thank you for uh, the time. Thank you for the support. Thank you, Derek, for putting together a good interview with Jared, letting Jared talk about his experience in Hernando so far, his experience in Oxford, and uh, definitely talking about the different things, the benefits of the one penny tax per dollar for prepared food in the city of Hernando. Most people know, or if you listen to the podcast enough, you know how Derek and I feel about it. You know, Derek, I've seen some things on Hernando Happenings, different stuff, calling people like you and I. For I mean, it's got to be people like you and I, kind of weak-minded and all that kind of stuff for falling for the trap of taxes and falling for those different things. And uh, look, my, what I like to say is, hey, if you don't like taxes or, you know, if you've lived in an area for dozens of years and you believe parks were a, a paramount or parks were a definite need, certain people could have really spearheaded a campaign for uh, for private funding to improve the parks. I mean, the parks would have welcomed that any time over the last 20, 25 years yeah, if just, somebody would have In the city uh, of Hernando, you know, I'm talking about other options on how to fund parks. Yes, if a city had massive surpluses every year, I guess they could do it, but in no way, form, or fashion does the city of Hernando can they count on, let's say, an $800,000 surplus every year to fund a bond note just, just out of general funds, yes. just out of general what we collect today. Uh, especially when they're trying to build up the safety net that the state likes to see and that cities should aspire to, to having that you know six month uh, up to a year of operating expenses basically you know put into a savings account, savings account day yes. fund. Yes. So if that if that's not an option for City of Hernando, which we know it's not, I mean we have like a twenty twenty million dollar budget total. Um, that would be almost, um, you know, eight hundred thousand dollars would be a significant portion of that to have to just fund, you know, organically. So if it's not that, then you're looking, as you said, for corporate sponsors. That is a lot, and and I don't know that how a board or an, or a mayor could go on board and try to find ten million dollars worth of sponsorships from either towns in Hernando or those looking to come outside, maybe like a Kroger or an AWG who have decided to invest here and locate here. Wonderful companies. I don't see them stroking checks for five hundred, a million, two million dollars to start putting in fields. Yes, um, because you know then you know they're going to be expected to do that in every community that they're in. So that is just not an option. And you know, it's, okay, so then the third option is okay, commercial and industrial. We talked about this last show. Um, where are you going to put those? Do you want an industrial park? Where, what does that look like? Where is that going to go? We have one, uh, you know, off of McCracken. We have another small one on Fifty One. So okay. Where else is, you know, where are you going to be located and, you know, drawing these businesses in? How many years does that take? Usually they're going to get some kind of sales tax break, I mean, excuse me, a property tax break for the first couple of years. So 
five, 10 years from now, if we are lo- to locate a business now, we would start realizing the full potential of those uh, incentives You know, once they kind of fall away that we get those taxes. Again, 62 other cities have done this. Jared mentioned that the city of Oxford put it in the late 80s, early 90s. Tupelo put it in the late 80s, early 90s. New Albany put it in in the 90s. These things have been in there for 20 and 30 years. He mentioned it. FNC Park, now called M-Trade Park, was started in 2008. It is now a fully realized potential wonderful park. That was 14 years ago. So if we're trying to plant the seed now, as he said, this is the way. This is how other cities have done it. They have not voted to reduce it. They, they put the faith in the cities. They did it. When you go to Oxford, you eat at a restaurant. Everybody, if you if you do, if you go there and you say I like, that you I, did, Derek, stop. I prefer Marshall County Steakhouses. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> but if when you're in Oxford, you're going to eat somewhere. Guess what? You just paid. Two percent, not one percent, two percent. Or Panola County Courthouse. Uh, uh, well, I'm just saying this is these are the thing you know, and and I believe Sardis, the city, right, actually has a tax. Okay, so uh, a tourism tax. Uh, so I, I just say this, you know, there are other cities already capitalizing on us going to them. Why not capitalize on them coming to us? And yes, we may be the the majority of the people eating here, but as you as you said on the last show, you know, you can't you know stroke a check. To do this, but if you're going to say every time I eat, I got to give you a dime. Fine, wonderful. It's going to look awesome. We'll leave it here, Derek. We're already you know 35 minutes into the show, so I'll leave it here. Hernando Residence, do you want to hang out, listen to, and get your information from someone who says we don't need a fill in the blank at all times? We don't need a new park. We don't need a tax. We don't need this. It's the same people that are going to say we don't need a Target. We don't need when, growth. We don't need a Home Depot when it wants to come to get well. We don't need a Target when it wants to come to get well. We don't need a Whole Foods when it wants to come to get well. But we can't provide you with a way for us to have these nice amenities that everybody else around us has. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want Target here. I don't want Home Depot here. I don't want Bass Pro Shops here. I don't want all this stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't. I uh, remember Applebee's. Right. Okay. Applebee's, right. Applebee's was, was turned was, yes. down coming where basically where the principal Toyota is. Right. There you go. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Are you hanging out with people that say we don't need a blank, but they can't provide you with anything they all, that makes sense? And that's the question right there. So obviously, Derek, let's move on to the Board of Alder meeting, which did not take very long. But before I go there, remember, next Tuesday, sales tax referendum, Derek and I, slogan, yes for kids. Do that next Tuesday. Tell us all about the Board of Alderman meeting, Derek, that uh, record time on this one. Um, barely turned the YouTube channel on on this one. Tell us about it. Well, we thought it might be quick, Matt. And when you go on there and you know, did not get to watch it Tuesday night, so when I when I got on there uh, Wednesday evening, I said, okay, let me sit down. Let me, let, me, let me get my coffee. Let me get this ready. Get these notes hashed out. And it says eight minutes. I could not tell you how happy that made me. Eight well, minutes long. You and I are about to renegotiate the editing of the show <laughs> because <laughs> now that our Alderman meetings. Was, that wasn't football. That I, wasn't I know, but still, the Alderman meetings yeah. are four minutes, six minutes long, and it's like, what the heck, man? Eight minutes long. So, all right. So, very, very quick meeting. Uh, there were three things, three bullet points that, that I want to talk about quickly. First, the city did approve to move over. This was something that was added. A possible $2.3 million from the utility fund. If the funds from the $1.5 million loan for AWG and the leftover DRA grant was not received in time to make the final payment. So again, a timing issue. They may have to pull money from the utility fund to pay to get everybody satisfied. And then, of course, we'll recoup those funds and put them back in the utility fund. Again, just kind of a a shuffling of money uh, based on timing, but be able to to make that whole. So that was approved. Maybe I think there was one quick question, but it was approved. The next, there was a concern that if phase two was done for the pennies for the park. So this is the... Uh, again, first of all, it has to pass, but if it was passed and the phase two, again, this is a maybe 10 years away. Yeah. Uh, this is not part of the first. Not, yeah, not part of the phase one, but it, you know, if they started to basically move around the current fields that are out there uh, on Robinson Gen Road, there were citizens that were concerned that, okay, well, you know, the road is named Danny Phillips Road. Okay. The playground right there, kind of on the right side of the road as you pull in, is named after, is named in honor of Stephen Foster, okay. who passed away. And so those they wanted to make sure, hey, look, if the playground is there, if it is moved, uh, if the road has to be shifted, you know, north or south, that the names of the roads, the names of the playgrounds would remain the same. I'm not saying they're putting the cart before the horse because it was just more of a thing hey, if this ever happens, yes. then they, they went ahead and put on record that, yes, both of those names would stay the same. I agree with that. Yeah. Danny Phillips was a massive part uh, of baseball and youth baseball for 30-plus years. Yep. And, you know, I just – yeah, absolutely. That road 
Should be named after him. Yep. And then the final thing was the uh, item at the corner of uh, Highway 51 and Robertson. Uh, this is the, the two houses that make up that, uh, I guess, well, two parcels that make yes. up a, a rectangle. Uh, it was tabled again to November 15th. Uh, this, <laughs> I just keep keep pushing this down the road. Hey, they'll try to get to Christmas. Yeah, we're going to see you first quarter. First quarter of 23, we'll talk about that um, house. Don't come back, please. The only thing was is that Alderman Miller wanted to make sure there are people that want to speak, probably in opposition, uh, but maybe on both sides of this issue. And so he wanted to make sure that everybody – wanted to speak on either side was made aware hey we're tabling this again yes. now to the 15th because there has been one opposition letter written so far that uh, Austin mentioned yes I have received one letter in opposition so he wanted to make sure make sure that person knows it will now be on the 15th so you know assuming that Austin you know, does his job which I know he's going to do then they uh, voted to table it to the 15th very short meeting uh, Derek said a little bit under eight minutes you know it's short when YouTube does not put an ad in there <laughs> that's all no short. Ads. exactly no ads YouTube's like hey man we're not even going to mess with this. This is eight <laughs> minutes long. Derek, before we move on to our first advertiser, which is a wonderful sponsor uh, right here with all the leaves falling in the fall and all that kind of stuff, this group of aldermen, seven, you and I know a number of them personally, mm-hmm. an extremely conservative group of people. Yes. An extremely conservative group of people when it comes to spending the city coffers and the taxpayers' money. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, again, they, are, they have just set aside, for when I, I, since I've been following it probably since the Late uh, 20 aughts, you know, 08 to 2010, I really started paying to the autumn meeting. Never had a rainy day fund like this. Right. Ne- never have talked about a rainy day fund. And now they're working to getting it close to a million dollars and then maybe doubling that to get to where they want to be. So I would completely agree with that. And I say that because obviously the tax stuff we're talking about. These folks are conservative with the city's money. They want to spend it correctly. And here's the best thing about this sales tax referendum. Don't forget, if we get two years down the road and they've done nothing, it was a total waste. We have to vote again for yes or no. That's correct. And if they're not doing what you want them to do, step up, run against them, vote them out. Also correct. There you go. I mean, that's how it works when it comes to city government. But uh, at this particular time, I'm going to thank the city government for what they do on the first and third Tuesdays because uh, your boy here has no desire to do it. Yeah, so I have no desire to do that work. But let me tell you who does have a desire to work for you when it comes to projects all around your home, whether it's the leaves I keep talking about, whether it's tree trimming, whether it's a number of different things, no job too small, no job too large. Let our folks with Williams Services come out and take a look. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and so much more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. As I mentioned, leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, grading of your property, fence repair, gate repair, gate construction. Richard and his team are ready to serve. Give them a call at 662-292-8855. Again, that's 662-292-8855. Or you can find more information about Richard and his team on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Thank you, Richard, for continuing to support the UTW Podcast. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, as well as Invisalign. Their office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. Derek, this week's uh, DeSoto County shout-outs, uh, again, going to be basically Hernando-based and uh, really sound a lot like last week's. Do not forget, as we come up next Friday, November 11th, a special day uh, in Hernando, a special day all across the country, uh, as it should be, Veterans Day next Friday. The main thing we're going to speak on is the uh, the parade that will be happening between 10 and 11, right there on Commerce Street. Uh, the Hernando Band's involved. Dozens, if not hundreds, of veterans will be uh, you know, walking the streets of Hernando. It is a very moving and very honorable um, parade. I highly recommend everybody taking a little bit of time off. Maybe if you have a staff or if you have a business that can let your staff, uh, you know, maybe that's a little field trip you and your company should make or or whatever for that hour to pay tribute to those men and women as they come down Commerce Street on Veterans Day next Friday. And then, Derek, later that night, of course, I, I say it all the time, the wonderful things that Hernando has planned for families and uh, commerce and all that stuff, the Dickens of a Christmas will be kicking off later that night, lighting the Christmas tree, ice rink will be happening 
right there on Pinello Street. And then on Saturday, one of the best days in the city of Fernando. It has really become, again, an award-winning day for the city of Fernando. The Dickens of a Christmas has become part of a massive weekend. We're going to give you another shout-out, or Derek will give you another shout-out in just one second for what happens on Sunday. But Friday, and this will be the uh, Farmer's Market ad that we typically do. The Farmer's Market is now over from a seasonal standpoint. So our their ad time or what they've paid us to do their advertisement, we will move that to uh, the shout-outs right now. The Dickens of a Christmas, if you have friends or family – uh, that are considering coming in for the holidays, considering coming in for something to do, maybe shop around. I highly recommend you uh, let them know about the Dickens of a Christmas, November 11th and November 12th, to come in. Carriage rides all across the city. The Hernando Square is going to be dressed up just as, as nice as you're going to see. Carolers will be caroling throughout the city. Um, just an amazing event that Gia and her team have put together. The Hernando Dickens of a Christmas, Friday, November 11th, and Saturday, November 12th, which leads us into our next shout-out, Derek. Tell us all about on Sunday what's happening with the Hernando Chamber. On Sunday, we have the Christmas open house. So this is Dickens will still be going on. They're actually doing the ice skating rink the third day on Sunday also. So this is the first year that they've had the ice skating on Sunday as well. But the, the Sunday, we really want to point out the Christmas open house. This is put on by the chamber. This starts it's from 1 to 5 p.m., 1 to 5 p.m. that afternoon. Really come out, uh, support all the local shops. This is everything on the square, off the square. Uh, there you know, there will be people uh, you know, down Commerce Street that are open for the Christmas open open house this is when you'll have a chance to come see santa take pictures with santa at the courthouse this is something that's been going on i mean for I mean, I don't know, at least a couple decades. I've said ever since I've been in Hernando, they've always had Santa come to the square uh, basically the second Sunday in November. So it's a big open house event. Come support local. Uh, I know that you're thinking about now that Halloween's over, you're thinking about your Christmas presents. You're thinking about your family. You're thinking about the holidays in general. Uh, with Thanksgiving three weeks away from our recording right now, which is absolutely crazy to think about, you know, yeah, it's, time, it's that time of year. So please come out before you, you know, jump on the internet, before you jump on trying to find something on Amazon, all that. Come shop locally uh, and see everything they have to offer keep the sales you know tax dollars here to fund you know not only parks but all the wonderful things all the wonderful amenities that uh, hernando offers so again sunday the Christmas open house from 1 to 5 p.m. November 13th. Sunday, November 13th, a huge day. The, the whole weekend is massive for the city of Fernando. Look forward to that. The following weekend, Saturday, November 19th. Uh, Derek, again, it kind of falls on me as the uh, heavyset guy on the podcast here <laughs> to mention this one. Pancake Breakfast, hosted by the Hernando Rotary Club, will be taking place at Longview Point Baptist Church, 8 to 1. That's 8 to 1. Derek, will you please enjoy a pancake? Oh, I'm actually working it. I'll have I a know. Pancake. You're yeah, working it. You'll have a pancake. Yeah, I'll have a pancake. Let's make you a pancake. Maybe yep. a sausage or whatever. No, no it's got to be turkey sausage. <laughs> got to be turkey. $10 in advance, $12 at the door, everything to support the Meals on Wheels program in the city of Fernando. If you want more information about Meals on Wheels, please look up on their Facebook page. They do have a very good Facebook page. The Meals on Wheels program in the city of Fernando the last five years has absolutely skyrocketed. It's become a very, very good program. You and I attend Hernando United Methodist Church. Um, a lot of times they prepare the meals and stuff out of there, right? It's a That's right. kind of a hub there. For well, I mean, they no, they don't prepare the meals there. They um, it's actually done by Juniors well, okay, yeah, Restaurant gotcha. and then uh, Kroger. They pick them up there at a very, very discounted price, yes. and to be able to deliver those every Tuesday and Thursday to uh, just you know, people in the in the city that need them. Yeah, and Derek, they're not an advertiser, but you just mentioned it. Shout out to Juniors for helping mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. A definite shout out to that local small business helping the Meals on Wheels program. Saturday, November 19th at Longview, 8 to 1, supporting the Hernando Rotary Club. That wraps up our, uh, well, we'll just call it Hernando shout-outs for this week. Some different things coming up. Don't forget the Hernando Christmas Parade is coming up. They're starting to uh, contact people that have worked with them in the past or signed up to uh, be, a, be in a car or a float or anything like that. If you or your team or group would like to be a part of that, uh, reach out to the Hernando Chamber of Commerce as they put together uh, one of the best Christmas parades in DeSoto County for sure uh, coming up in December. So that'll be coming up. That'll be part of our shout-outs uh, sometime later in November. Uh, it's that time, Derek. It's holiday season in Hernando. What a love. Lovely and awesome place to be right here under the water tower. I'm so excited. So, so ready for it. Since 1981, Holland Insurance has been staffed with local industry experts who are eager to make a difference in every life they touch. Are you a hardworking and motivated individual looking for a full-time or part-time career in commercial insurance? Holland Insurance wants you on their team. Reach out to Bruce Robinson or Jerry Holland and their team if you're ready to make a change. Call them at 662-895-5528. That's 662-895-5528. You would have the opportunity to work with some of the largest insurance companies in the world. Blue Cross Blue Shield, United, Humana, Cigna, Nationwide, Hartford, 
Old Republic, Progressive, Travelers. Those are just some of the 60 insurance companies that Holland Insurance represents in DeSoto County. If you're considering a change, maybe reach out to Holland Insurance to become part of one of the fastest growing insurance companies in the Mid-South. Give Bruce or Jerry a call today, 662-895-5528. Thank you, Holland Insurance. Derek, a long show so far. Thank you, uh, Jerry Barkley, again for coming in and visiting with us about the Parks Department and about the Coins for Kids coming up next Tuesday. But let's go ahead and turn our attention to some more kids as we discuss football as it begins to wrap up. Some are in the playoffs. Some are fighting for a playoff spot. Let's go ahead and cover the gridiron as we wrap up the UTW podcast. North Point versus Davidson Academy. This is round one of the state playoffs, but a round two matchup uh, of these two schools. Met earlier this year where Davidson Academy beat the Trojans by around 30 points, but that was without North Point quarterback Jack Patterson. I can't believe that Davidson is excited about having to travel back to South Haven to team uh, to face a team that they've already beat. But you know what? Uh, tough cookies for that. Hey, yeah. hey, finish better in your district next time. That's all <laughs> I can say. This game should be different, and I look for the Trojans to put up more of a fight this time. However, Davidson has a beast of a running back and does just enough at receiver to hurt you. I think the Trojans stay in the game for a while, but ultimately lose 35-21. Yeah, Derek, I agree with you. I think it's a 14-point uh, loss for the Trojans to wrap up their, their season. And let me tell you why. You lost to this team three four weeks ago. You know exactly what they're bringing Coaches, I know you probably don't listen to this show. Please do something different. Yes. Do not try and roll out the same situation that got you beat by 35 points. Please change up. Nobody cares. No one cares. Keep the running back on the sidelines. If you lose by three, what a heck of a fight. If you win by three, try and be a part of something in the fourth quarter and not a running clock so everybody can figure out how to, how fast can I get back to Nashville. <laughs> don't do it. Change up, coaches. Change up and give your team a shot. Thank you. All right, next, Lewisburg at DeSoto Central. Now, Lewisburg actually is playing at DeSoto Central tonight, Thursday night, the day that we are taping. Now, both teams are 3-3 three and three in the region. The winner of this match will automatically be in the playoffs, while the loser will fall into a possible tiebreaker for the last seed. Now, you can judge us by listening to this Friday. So, you're going to be hearing this on Friday morning. So, you can already judge when you're hearing this, being like, hey, man, those guys are really on point, or – they're actually completely just horrendous at doing picks because uh, this result will already be known. Lewisburg is coming off their first win over Olive Branch in their history last week, while DeSoto Central just came off the South Panola and South Haven two-game gauntlet. I think Lewisburg rides the momentum and does just enough to get it done. Uh, predict My uh, final score prediction, Lewisburg 21-17 over DeSoto Central. I'm going to go DC 17-14. Okay, very um, close, very close. When you've played South Panola, played South Haven, you've played two teams that are going to make the playoffs, um, you start to, in that first quarter, you've done this, Derek, when you played teams that were better than you, those guys were faster, you couldn't make your blocks, you were, you know, you couldn't make your tackles. When you circle back and play a team that struggles or a team that's struggling like you or maybe the same speed, by the middle of the first quarter, things start to click and you're like, oh, we can keep up with them. Yeah. I think D.C. circles back and they went through those two teams, those two perennial good teams, and now they're going back to an average team. And um, I think they're going to be, be better tonight. D.C. over Lewisburg by three. All right, then our final matchup, Hernando at Olive Branch. Now, these are two teams with the exact same record of five and five and two and four in the region. will meet on senior night in Olive Branch for what could possibly be a playoff spot. After our last show, we found out that there is – a certain scenario under which Hernando can make the playoffs. Correct. It includes a three-way tie with a couple of teams and Hernando having the closest score to the top seed South Haven. As Lloyd Christmas would say, you're telling me there's, there's a, chance. a chance. Absolutely. Uh, that is all Hernando needs to hear to go out and get a win over the longtime county rival. I look for the Tigers to leave it all out on the field tonight and come away with a 34-21 victory tonight. Go Tigers. A lot of points. A lot of points. I'm there. saying a lot, You're of, points. a lot Let's of points. Let's go. Hernando wins 24 because we have a kicker. 24 14. Okay, Hernando so you still wins. have 10. You still have 10. Yeah, but I'm, you're giving them a lot of points. That's a lot of <laughs> offense. I've watched a lot of Hernando football over the last five years, and uh, 34 is uh, – woo, that's a lot of points. So, 24-14, Hernando gets it done and then is in the waiting pattern for uh, to see what happens. I mean, again, from what we were told, if Hernando wins and the other teams – so uh, Center Hill's going to lose to South Panola. Right. That's their three and four. Hernando would be three and four. And the loser of DC Lewisburg would be three and four. Right. And so we've been told. Uh, we, I, I'd love nothing more than Derek. Let's go ahead and announce that we will not have a Tuesday show show next week. Our show will be Wednesday. 
so we can have the information when it comes to the parks decision, it comes to national races that maybe we've paid attention to, and it comes to local races. We'd rather record a show on late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, so we can give you the best information. It'd be a total waste if we record on a Monday show and didn't have uh, you know information about the park stuff and everything. Right. So we're going to do that. So look for that show to drop next Wednesday versus next Tuesday. So I'd love nothing more than to be here talking about and planning a Hernando Tiger uh, playoff game. That'd be awesome. Be fantastic. I mean, Absolutely who doesn't fantastic. like to travel in the first round to uh, Tupelo? To Germantown or – Exactly. No, is it be Germantown, Madison Central, <laughs> Tupelo, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So so we're predicting a Hernando win this week, and if Hernando <laughs> makes the playoffs, I might be going the other direction. But, but hey, making a play, you got to make it first. You got to make it. You got to make it first. And we would, the three teams that we've covered all season, North Point, Lewisburg, Hernando, congratulations on a t- hard-fought season. Congrats to all those seniors that are playing for North Point. Maybe the seniors are playing their last game, and we for sure want to give those kids a, a shout-out. And all those different kids, the cheerleaders, the dance team, the band, if, if tonight's your last game uh, for your high school career, um, our thoughts are with you. And um, don't take it for granted, and uh, remember the good times. Well, like sure. the song says, you know, the, the next time I come here, I'll have to buy a ticket. Why are you making me cry, Derek? <laughs> why, why are you making me cry on a Friday show? Look, if you enjoy our show, we really appreciate everything. Share it with friends and family. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you listen to our show, there's a spot where you – Little dots typically on the far right side or upper or lower side. Hit that, share it to friends, family, Facebook, Hernando Happenings, anybody you want to share it as we continue to grow. We really appreciate it. Also, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. You can also give us a five-star review at the same place as I just mentioned. Give us a five-star review. simply helps us move up when it comes to local podcasts. If you enjoy our show, you'll enjoy OB Pod. Simply stands for Olive Branch, but covers the eastern side of DeSoto County. They deep dive into Lewisburg, Olive Branch, and Center Hill Athletics. OB Pod. Look them up today. Wrap up our Friday show always the same way. want to encourage everybody that's listening to please attend a local church this weekend. Also consider maybe joining up or visiting a local Sunday school class. Derek and I truly believe that is something that is important and should be a priority on the weekends for each and every listener of the UTW podcast. Well, Derek, enjoy your weekend. Hope you have a great one. We'll see you next Wednesday with hopefully a victory dance. Yes for kids. Get out and vote Tuesday. Yes. Please get out and vote. Yes for kids next Tuesday. And again, don't surround yourself with people that say we don't need a blank. That's right. I'll leave it at that. Well, Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl. Same grade as me. Tried to kiss her once in the aisle.